Hi and welcome back to Beyond All My Expectations. It's Nikki and today I'm here with Mark Joseph, who's the founder and managing director of Vouch Global. Hi Mark. Hey Nikki, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good, good. Yeah, it's a great day outside where I am. I don't know if you have the same or is are you somehow getting some fake London sun? No, exactly the same. There's actually rain here. I'm actually in Hertfordshire. So just that's I'm in Hertfordshire. Are you? <laughs> Where yes. about? I'm in Bushy. Okay, I'm in Hartford, in Hertfordshire. Oh, wow. So. Okay, yeah, so we are, all. yeah, seeing the same things. Probably it's probably going to rain in a bit over here. But oh, that's yeah. nice. Someone else yeah, stuck yeah. outside of London. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to people and they're all in London and it seems like London's like bubbly and I'm just like, it's been so quiet like the last year. That I yeah, don't know how exactly. to return to normal life. No, it's good. I mean, I'm typically in London. Like since we've been allowed out, I've been in London a few times. But yeah, Hartford is home. It's a lot more. It's a lot more quieter. A lot greener. So yeah, enjoy it. Definitely. I think I've walked the entirety of well, what my legs can do. I think I've walked to like St Albans and back. Oh. I, it's it's been. I I need to see new places now. <laughs> <laughs> St Albans is the lockdown spot for sure. Yes, yes, it's it's so lovely though. It is a lovely place, um, and they have a really great pudding shop over there. And um, if anyone cares about cakes, as I do. <laughs> All right then, Mark. Yeah, so nice to have you on. And as always, what I do is I have my guests intro themselves because I think you tell us a bit more about yourself than I can do from my LinkedIn stalking. So, Mark, over to you. Just tell us who you are and what you do. Great. I'm Mark Joseph. I am the Manager, Director and Founder of Vouch Global. We are a social performance agency who put culture at the forefront of everything we do, which basically means we start with the audience, i.e. the customer, and work our strategies backwards um, towards, towards creating really compelling content and paid media strategies that amplify sales for brands we work with awesome I have so many questions just based off you know that observation because I was doing a google and I thought okay social performance agency what is social performance how do you quantify that and make that into a business yeah sure it's I mean it's a long story to where we got to that kind of discipline I guess we started off as a kind of content and social influencer agency yeah and through that my, my personal background is performance so I come from a kind of paid search affiliate marketing strong performance heritage pretty pretty different because you know I did a level art and was very much into art and creative at the same point so even though even I've worked in performance creative and understanding what impact that has on on sales you know they shouldn't be mutually exclusive creative and performance so we try to merge the two so we self we say social performance because social media marketing is the way we get we start the journey with the customer and we drive them through a sales journey which typically would be could be paid search it could be um, affiliate marketing it could be facebook and instagram ads snapchat tiktok ads but it because we start with the audience we we, we kind of take them wherever they are follow them through social media and and that's kind of where most of our transactions take place through social media or it has such a, a heightened focus for the sale journey thank you and i think we're going to delve more into social media as the conversation goes on but i want to touch on what you said about your background you know in art and at a levels because i looked through your resume and i saw someone who's been invested in media like throughout your career because you studied know in the media space at university and you've worked I guess within the marketing and media landscape throughout your career so what yeah. was it that drew you to this space and why have you stayed 
Well, I started off, I guess, when I was when I was at university, following yeah. my A levels, where I did art, psychology, and uh, sports science, really mixed bag. But yeah, at university, I did social uh, media marketing. So that was my first kind of stick into advertising and media. I didn't know actually know what I wanted to do, but I, I started my degree in media. So throughout that process, I, I think the website to increase, this was around 2005, um, websites started to become a thing. And I was like, I, I just love the internet. I love technology. I wanted to, I wanted to build, a, build a website. I had quite an entrepreneurial spirit and background and I saw myself as a business owner even back then even as a child so I was like I need to build one of these websites that you know that everyone's talking about and doing right now and so I got a few web a few quotes to build a website of, for an idea I had which was a, a kind of more of a lead generation website a property lead generation website so if you think findaproperty.com for example it was a kind of a micro version of that and the quotes I got you know this was before WordPress or before Squarespace so this was custom coded website. So developers were charging fees of anything from 20,000 pounds upwards. And as a, as a university student, that was way up my price. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to teach myself how to build a website. So I bought a web, uh, a book called PHP and MySQL coding. And I just read that from cover to cover, did a few naughty things like I downloaded lastminute.com as an entire website, figure out, figure out how it worked. And with that knowledge and the book, I kind of started to build my first website, which is called buyinyourarea.co.uk. And that was my first kind of punt into, I guess, web design development. It was a lead generation business. So that's my first kind of like thing. Performance became my thing because I was like, Do you know what? I knew I learned how to run paid ads towards that website and how to generate traffic and how to generate leads. So that was my first kind of like self-taught thing. I did that at university. I didn't actually know I wanted to go into media advertising at all. So with that knowledge, I kind of that, you know, that gave me a, a kind of like a head start, I guess, in a way, because I had I had firsthand experience in doing all that um, at one of the largest agencies in the world, Omnicom. So they took me on as a, as a media executive soon after university. And I worked my way up to become uh, a senior media manager there before I carried on. So that's how I kind of like went from education through to media, all self-taught. I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. I just wanted, I, I was just active and kept moving and things just happen when you move. Wow. I love when people like talk about their entrepreneurial journey because it's very much just like, oh, I tried something. Um, I tested this and you decided to build websites, which, you know, it's so much easier now for the, you know, everyday person to, you know, we, we have the Squarespace, you have the WordPress, but you're building at a time where you had to learn code. What was that like? Like, what was sitting down to learn code like I know we had MySpace which I think helped a lot of people understand coding to an extent but what was the reality of actually sitting down to understand the coding for websites back then versus now yeah it, I mean it's now it's so easy like yeah. you, you, can have, you know sites are so much easier to put together back then the book didn't really teach me again a lot I learned yeah. from doing so you've you got some people that learn from theory learn from reading I learned from my mistakes and I learned from doing and so that hence why I had to, I I downloaded one of the largest websites of, the t of that time last minute yeah. and with, by downloading I downloaded all the databases all their code um, and it was like literally deleting lines of code seeing what that affected pasting okay. back in, um, and just le learning through that way and then just just from that I was able to to build something unique that I could use. I had a few other pressures as well. Like I had a new, I had a newborn baby on the way, which gave me that added pressure. So I had like, I guess I had like 
six to nine months to learn how to build websites to uh, generate revenue amazing okay so yeah I, that's where I wanted to move to the revenue aspect so this you know first site I'm guessing you, it was revenue generating and I think one of the issues entrepreneurs have is you know how do I reinvest my revenue do I you know spend it back in the business where do I spend it where in the business do I spend it back and then also how do I pay myself out and you had a few variables going on here where it's like I need to make money for family but also mm -hmm. the business so how did you come to an understanding of how you were going to use that money and you know I guess where did you succeed where did you fail Again, a massive learning curve in many, many different ways. I started to make money immediately because oh. when I was, whilst I was building a website, because it was performance-based, yeah. the revenue model was getting estate agents in local areas onto okay. the platform. And for example, if you wanted to, to uh, rent a house in West Hampstead, you would you'd Google rent in West Hampstead or buy in West Hampstead. My website would come up on the top end of the first page of Google for some towns and then you'd you'd go onto a website you fill out a lead form and that inquiry would go to all the estate agents in West Hampstead and they would all pay me five pounds for that inquiry okay. so it was it was immediately profitable from that perspective so I'd pay I'd end up paying back then cost per clicks were very very cheap and to get yeah. some of websites a lot cheaper so it probably cost me on average about five pounds to get an inquiry in and that inquiry would generate me multiple five pounds from different estate agents okay. um, and literally just replicated that model over and over again. So I think whilst I was at university, went from absolutely having no money to generating four to five thousand pounds surplus cash uh, for myself per month. Wow. Um, no, over, no overheads, no office, no, no staff, just me, myself. And yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. So I was like, you know what? I love this media game. I love this website space. I love performance. I need to do more of this. Okay, that's amazing because I think back to uni and if I was making for, to be, I feel like I probably would not have spent it responsibly, but then again, I was only responsible for this. But that's, yeah, that's fantastic. But I guess, you know, we see that you moved from the property source of space and that space you moved into working within companies. What made you transition from the ownership of your own business into stepping into company spaces? Was it, you know, a learning motivation or was it just how the market moved? I guess a mix of, mix of many things. It was mainly yeah. because... I'd, got, I'd sold the website by that point okay. so and that allowed me to, to buy my first flat with my partner and you know set up home and a family that 20 23 24 thinking I'm going to struggle with a newborn and not have yeah. you know any way to survive to then being able to to put down a healthy deposit and to actually feel a bit secure yeah. and then it was like a almost like a blank slate so I was like okay let me start looking at jobs so I started job hunting and it was the first job I applied for, which I got, which was a PhD, media, an Omnicom agency and an amazing kind of, it was my first kind of experience into corporate life and, and seeing, you know, a large um, organization, how it operated and my place in that system. I, I think every entrepreneur should experience that in some way shape or form it gave me a lot it gave me a lot of insight it's not i it's quickly established it wasn't what i wanted to do because it was too large and too corporate and i'm not built like that yeah. but um, it allowed me to see to see what it's like and to see where and where growth can go to again i i learned from doing and mistakes and from seeing it from someone else previously so that gave me the vision to i guess the first vision to be like do you know what i'd love to have a have an agency like this big um, yeah. even though it still what happened <laughs> but that gave me that first vision for sure yeah but I mean seeing what you've built in Belt Global I think you know largeness is 
it's a concept based on what you want to do and what you want to achieve. And I want us to move into, you know, about global and, you know, setting up of it. And I know this is your second or no, I guess your third foray into entrepreneur, entrepreneurial sorts of endeavors. So can you just talk us through where you were before about global launched and why you decided to move in the specific direction of what about global is of course yeah so i guess it started after phd in omnicom yeah um i say i was there for three years and then i got headhunted by an agency called stake stake i what well, i was headhunted as head of performance so yeah. performance director so into a more senior role which was great because i had a i almost had like a my own startup in a in a kind of mid-sized agency oh. um and so I was, I was responsible for my own P&L, for hiring for that department. You know, I had a much more involved role in the actual overall agency. So I moved from being a small cog in a large wheel to being a, a larger cog in a more medium-sized wheel. And I think, uh, I say medium-sized, but I think we were 60, 60 staff. So it was still quite a large agency. Yeah. And, back, you know, this, this is like 2010, 11. Back then, you know, a large agency was what success would look like, right? Yeah. You, if, you, if you had... The more staff you had, the more successful you were. The the one number one question people would ask is, "Oh, how many you know how many staff are there? Yeah. Like not not the clients you work on and or the work you do. How many staff do you have?" And that was the number one indicator to, to success, right? So so that was state, and they eventually sold to Dentsu, which is another I think the number two or number three agency in the world. So once Dentsu acquired Stake, I had share options. And that allowed me then to set up my first agency called Testify. So that's my first, that's my, my actual, my own agency with, with another co-founder. So that was our first punt into agency ownership and having our own agency. And we started that up with, with no clients on the roster. Normally you kind of have one or two clients you bring over. Yeah. We, we went, we went in deep. We had no clients on the roster. That Fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. We had that much belief, but I think, I think you have, you fall into false visions of grandeur when you have that kind of salary back in and you have you know you're working with you know some of the best brands in the, in the world at the time and you think this is what I do you know the brands are just going to fall at, fall at my door when I when I do this alone so we stopped we went alone and the door didn't knock the phone didn't ring there was no, no one was there I don't think we made we had our first client for three months but that allowed us to kind of refine our offering our website our own branding super scary time but we you know we were there I was there for six years in total so and that was I mean it was great it was a great time when we ran it I know exactly why it didn't work but you know at the time you can't see it kind of blind to that but everything's yeah. a lesson right whether it's good or bad it's a lesson so that's the first agency testify and now vouch global is ultimately all my lessons that I'd learned from testify over those six years and we're operating a really you know slick well-oiled well-run agency addressing all the issues that weren't addressed before and there again there are multiple facets I'm sure we'll cover as to why it didn't work and why it will work it why it is working with vouch yeah definitely i think let's jump in there so you know you six years is quite a an investment into a company mm. and it's time spent and it's you know it's nurturing and i i haven't or having a few friends who are entrepreneurs and founders and seen them you know have to let go of ideas and move on to the next thing it's not easy as you said at the time you don't really understand you're like no but what if we try x and y or z you know yeah. you're like come on yeah. we can do so I think let's explore what the failures of Testify and how have you brought those failures to the other side in Vouch? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. There's, there's, all, there's, there's two facets, right? Yeah. The number one thing is self. You know, it starts with, it all starts with self. Okay. It's how you speak to yourself. Your own, your, you know, I would say I personally had self-limiting beliefs okay. at that point um, to a point where I didn't understand it myself, but 
because I had no one around me, I had no mentors, I had no one around me who who had lived the entrepreneur who had lived the entrepreneurial life and succeeded to an extent that I'd seen other agency owners succeed to. So I, I had I couldn't bounce ideas or thoughts of people who have been there, which I think is a massive key thing. So when you're in your own head, you you know, to to think of running a, a 10 million pound agency, for example, is kind of like it just it's just a number. You can't relate it to anything or anyone or see how that evolves. Yeah. So even though I work with amazing brands, I work with like so Canon, Budweiser, Absolute Vodka, Wonderbra, you work with some some massive brands. It became all about the work, but there was no clear vision as to where we were going or how we were trying to get there because yeah. I think I think subconsciously it felt like this is great work, but I'm not sh- I don't I don't know if I can actually build something that big and that great. I can I know I can make money and I can run a great agency and I, I know I'm good with people, but I don't yeah, that's the next know step. if I can yeah. exactly if I can build something with huge legacy and greatness. And that was the self-limiting belief that that I think I had at that which I said I think is is one of the that rolls into every aspect and every facet of of agency life right so I I think self-belief is a huge thing from that perspective so that was the self-work piece and then in terms of the actual agency it was trying to do everything yourself so because you start we started off with just two of us you start you start doing everything yourself but there becomes a time when you have to start handling stuff off yes delegating that delegation point never ever happened like truly so then you just end up adding more and more stuff to your plate and you 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 know you start doing everything averagely well instead of being amazing at one or two things you know so rely on your team more so and trusting is huge so now now vouch for example like my team at everything i couldn't you know everyone that works with vouch is absolutely phenomenal and like really really good at their job and it couldn't be what it is and where it's going without those people on board. Yeah. Whereas before, I felt I had to build this thing by myself and every, people, these people are going to help me, but I'm building this by myself. It's my but, thing, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. So those are the, the, the two main things why I think it didn't go to the, to the levels it could have gone to. Yeah, I think that's so relatable because I think, you know, the space of self, you know, we all have that where you know you come into a company or or you start something and at the start you have this idea and then once you get into the work you can just you can be very focused on this is my to-do list for today and do I take that off no and then tomorrow and then you lose sight of okay where are we going and then by the time you catch up you're sort of like wait this is sort of taking a life of its own and I'm not even sure where I fit into the narrative of it and it happens so much and it's so easy and I think you know over the last year it's been I think working you know in our homes and stuff I think a lot of people have seen that also double down in terms of where there's no demarcation like we're not getting enough vision but it's not just a lockdown problem it's a life problem because work can just feel so like I'm just I'm just getting things done today to feel good yeah um, and you know and you're not always meant to feel good at the and I mean feel good and sensitive I'm not always meant to feel like okay life's done at the end of a work day I should feel like okay this this is something I'm starting today but It'll take me six months to see the end and I should be happy with that. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very hard mental balance. And I'm, I'm there some days, I think last Thursday I was there <laughs> and then the weekend I was like, okay, sleep and then we'll try again and have different yeah. visions. But I think it's a, it's so, it's such constant work and, and delegation. Oh, I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> oh Always. my God. It's so hard. Cause I'm like, yeah, but like I can see it in my head. So like, don't worry. And it's mm. like, 
whatever you see in your head is always going to be better when you have collaboration like someone else can grow and expand and add in you know the skills that you don't have yeah. you're like yeah but what's in my head it's such a hard one I think yeah, yeah like when you found a business it's your like it's your baby you know I, I'm not like yet yeah, child baby but it's it's your passion it's your investment of money time ideas you know it's so much um it's risk so yeah but I don't know how entrepreneurs do it I I say this all the time even though yeah I don't know how you do it because whew, it's a lot yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a your lot. whole self as you say as you say you know you have good days and bad days and it's, yeah. it's about being being easy with yourself on those good days I'm massively into mindfulness and I meditate frequently and and so it's you know it's okay to feel to feel like you're not achieving the big thing but you just got to have fun and enjoy it you know just just take your time and enjoy it okay so I mean let's move on from that into Vouch Global and let's speak on this word enjoy so how are you enjoying or are you taking time to enjoy Vouch Global I know you've spoken about you know self-belief and also um delegation but beyond that you know what Vouch Global stands for what is your enjoyment of this space you're now in yeah I mean it's, it's complete fun so we, we you know we again we've got a great team and I think because everyone is delivering it takes a burden off um of people don't, be, don't get me wrong like agency life is fast-paced yeah but we have we do have fun with it and because we are a great team and you know everyone we've got clear we've got clear we've got a clear path to market we've got a clear vision um, that everyone's bought into as a company we've got clear values as a company which we didn't have previously at testify yeah. So our our value, I think, you know, at Testify, we had our values were passion, innovation, accountability, which were values we did live, but we didn't like, they weren't the DNA of the, yeah. the, the cult, you know, they were just words, yeah. they were just words. So I think a lot of agencies just have words as their values. But again, at Vouch did a lot of work in terms of who are we, um, what are our true values? It doesn't matter what they are, but what are our existing true values? And how can we amplify them and make them better and live them daily? And as a as a founder, those values often start from within yourself, right? So it's like, what values what values do I have that good values that I have that have got me to where I am today that can yeah. accentuate the growth of myself even more and of the agency and the team and how what are the values that the team kind of show right now based on my influence and how can we bring those together and amplify those and make everyone aware of these values. And grow them so we just we did some work on that just before lockdown and we you know our, our our values are truly lived and it's helped us gain more business just to, you know sharing those values and that i think has been the real game changer for us in the last year again starting with self and that would be looking at self with the agency what who are we what do we do and i think when you do that work it just magnifies and people feel it and they can sense the the authenticity of of you saying who you are when you do say who you are yeah. um, and that's helps us quite a new business so that's I'd say that's a massive that's been a game changer and I think when you're in that flow of authenticity and you're not having to pretend you're a particular type of agency you're not having to pretend at all because it can agency well can be very pretentious and people yeah. do can pretend a lot I think when you're authentic with self and who you are as an agency there's a flow about you and there's a there's a flow of the agency it doesn't feel like you're 
constantly hitting walls as it did do at testify it felt like we're constantly fighting and battling and right now it just feels like we're in a flow it feels like even with the last year it feels like we're in a great flow and it feels like things are just things are happening that it that are meant to happen because we're being true to ourselves and we're not taking work that we we think we can deliver we're not sure if we're going to do a great job we are who we are and we attract the brands that we want to work with and we do fantastic work for those brands and in the process, we have fun. You know, we've got a pool table in the office. We've just come back to the office um, as of last week. And only part-time, so like two days a week. We do, you know, so we've got the office fun is, is another thing. But we're, we talk every day. So we've got every other day we have a we have a huddle, a team huddle. End of the week, we all get together and we, you know, we have we have drinks over over Skype at the moment. Yeah. But, but it's going back to it's going back to the office life, which I think is needed. So yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm seeing an office for a few more months, but uh so I'm a bit jealous but yeah, I think yeah. you know that key to authenticity is so important because yeah you can get into you, know, you can fall into the trap of okay what does this space I'm in look like and how do I adapt to this space when mm. I think what makes you survive what keeps you going what keeps you excited what keeps you you know innovating is if you stay in yourself because that's you know where the truest source of vision and movement comes from I want to move into talking a bit more about the technical side of what you know um about global does and one thing that you have said at the start of this conversation in my research is that about global uses tech in the work that they do and i think when people think about social performance and influencer marketing people think tech they think you know social media they think in, um, instagram they think facebook tiktok twitter but you know you and i know it's beyond that there's you know so much going on in the back end i have said this story to someone where um i was on zoom to a friend and i had to share my screen and i had all these tabs open and she was like what's going on and I was like oh we're planning out like social strategy and she was like what is going on and I was like there's so many different moving parts like all the time it's not just you know you take a picture you post it there's so much going on but I mean beyond that what are tech innovations that have positively impacted your working so you know beyond just like the social media platforms that are on the user end what's going on behind the scenes that you're really excited about and has really you know helped working within Belt Global in the past present for you yeah so so I guess the two areas look at tech right tech to help run the agency which yeah. is um you know when you're in the creative industries organization and creative aren't don't go very hand in hand quite often right so again taking learnings of being unorganized and now be like right we need to be organized even though it doesn't it doesn't sit easy thing for me to do so, you're like i just so, want to do things yeah, <laughs> i don't yeah, want to wait yeah. <laughs> exactly and that's when you that's when you you know relying on relying on a team helps do that as well so we use monday.com which is a, mm -hmm. a um a kind of like workflow management tool but that kind of like that is the holy grail of the business ultimately it has all, all of our like you know the hr policies in there it's got all of our systems and processes so when we onboard a new staff member or a new client there's a system of process for every aspect of the business and it's all stored there so you could come into you come into the business tomorrow as a new senior account manager and you would you if you walk through monday.com you would see how we do our system how we have systems process for every area of the business i wouldn't need to be there to, to talk you through it i i am but i wouldn't need to and so everything we do we try to, if we do it more than twice we try to create a system for it and we try to create okay. a process so that's built into the that's built into the culture of the company we don't want to keep repeating doing things wasting time time is you know the number one commodity that we have as an agency yeah. um, so we try to limit the time of replicating systems and processes and monday.com helps do that so that is like a the holy grail after monday.com i'd say is especially through these times, Slack is super important for us. So 
that's the number one communication tool for us as an agency. And then Google services, again, Epic, we Google Meet, we use that above Zoom or any other streaming platform. It's it, We just find it to be really, really light. It doesn't take up as much RAM, as much memory. And it's just, we, we jump on that daily as a team and with clients, yeah. et cetera. So as, a, as an agency, those are kind of our biggest tools that we use to, to work, do our work. When we're talking about outward work to clients, we... One of our, our three core values are empathy, restless minds, and amplify. And so the, the empathy part of our of our values is we, as I think all the staff members, exude empathy personally as themselves. So everyone is very empathetic as an individual. And then that translates through to how we start with onboarding clients. So we always start with with listening, you know, through different through different forms of listening. So that could be social listening, listening to how people navigate through a website. Where are they, you know, where are they clicking? Where are they going through to? We um, listening to how, how people engage, what they want to hear about your brand. So to do to do the listening part for our clients, which is the first part of work we do with clients, we use a myriad of tools, social listening tools, being Crimson Hexagon is our kind of like our biggest tool, which is a, a social listening platform. So you're able to listen to what people are saying about a brand product or service in real yeah. time. So rather than having to carry out a, a study or a market research group where it's kind of like preordained and people are asking mm-hmm. questions, we're able to actually listen into conversations where people are talking about a particular niche or product or brand without being incentivized. And it's just their raw self. So yeah. that's kind of like start with, with that area. And then we delve into profiling audiences and customers and we profile audiences and customers through social demographics. So we use another tool for that which helps us identify the customers of a particular um, competitor or the brand themselves so again with crimson hexagon and other tools we're able to go into say our client was canon for example we're able to go into nikon and look at all the people that follow across facebook instagram tiktok twitter and we're able to profile those followers yeah. and see, see if there's any similarities in them so we'll start to to profile are there is there a, a particular key age group that's following them particular sex what is the um, education of these individuals what is their average salary where do they live? Start, we start to build a picture of of shared interests so which again helps us formulate our paid paid media strategy when we come to the next part of the of the of our process so that's how technology informs the first kind of area of, of the work we do with clients which is the empathy part which is a listening part can I just say when you shifted into talking about the empathy like your tone changed it was very yeah. calming and soothing it's really interesting so it's, it's that link between you know you not just be saying something but actually being what you say and you what you say was missing from testify like I could feel that sort of difference in noise. it was just really interesting to listen to you it was very soothing that's like I get you know the meditative stuff there it was really great yeah. I mean I think my next question was going to be about you know what it what is what is it to be a managing director in a creative space but I think we've answered that in terms of you you know giving over your non-organized self to the rest of the team (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great but I think beyond that you know part of I guess managing and leading is you're stepping away from creative stuff so how do you balance you know that self who is who comes from this very creative hands-on you know I will build a website I will do every single part of the business how are you managing those because I and I'm asking this you know on the personal side because I think we often talk we often look at careers and movement and we say you know I want to get to this level and this level but there is something you give up to get somewhere else 
So on the personal side, how have you been able to manage this and, you know, reconcile yourself with the realities of business owner versus creative um, person? Yeah. Yeah, no, good, good question. I think you never that never leaves you. I don't think you can stop doing the kind of creative part. I'm yeah. fully involved, fully involved in strategy still, and I'm always researching and always reading. I'm always looking at what's happening in industry, so I'm, I'm fully versed. I guess it leads into our second, our second value as an agency, which is restless minds. Yeah. Restless minds being that we don't stop. We're always um, innovating. We're always looking at what's new, and to make that value really stick, we. We've started, we started, I think again, pre-lockdown, we started publishing a weekly newsletter called okay. Restless Minds. And within that newsletter, it's like, what is the, what's new in industry this week? What's happening across creative, across paid media landscapes? And we have a database of 15,000 individuals that have signed up to this Restless Minds newsletter that we push out as an agency. And it's not vouch branded. It's just literally just an education piece. And we do it to help other marketers that are, and but want to have a quick snapshot of what's going on in the, in the landscape. But we also do it because as a team, everyone every week is tasked with finding is re, with researching find out what's happening in my industry. How can I improve stuff for my clients? How can I improve and us being being at the forefront of what's new and what's happening so that's the, that's the culture within the agency and to make that stick more we do this newsletter and so when that goes out it's not just saying oh yeah this is happening in each you know in each sector for us it's like an upsell kind of proposition but it's not really that it's really to us going to our clients and saying look this is what's happening in the industry this is how we believe it can be it can fit into your brand what we're doing for you do you want do you want us to work together and help you build this into into what we're doing for you this is how you can improve which working agencies i think is a number one thing which leads to attrition because most agencies don't do that hence why we now do it so yeah. as you well know brands are constantly being sold to from other agencies you know other agencies will come in and say look there's a gap in your there's a gap in your brand work and you should be doing x y and z um, and the, and the client's like oh yeah we should probably be doing x y and z why has my agency not told me that? So we try to prevent that. So hence why every three months we go to our clients and say, look, this, this is new that's happening in industry. Do you want us to work together on it? So we kind of prevent people sneaking in because our clients yeah. then feel like I've got an agency who has that's my been yeah. and it's forward thinking. So, and I'm fully involved in that process. So one of our longstanding clients at the moment, when we're currently building NFTs for, we built a few already for other, other clients and non- non-fungible tokens, which is, in the kind of crypto landscape and we're now help helping bring that to the kind of like our mainstream clients and yeah. and look at how can we how can we how can we get our clients to accept cryptocurrency as a payment method how can we get our clients to enter the nft space yeah. um, because it's new and it's not really being pushed out to to brands like that so we're always at the, at the forefront and that's you know that's me being invested in crypto personally and looking at what's happening in the NFT space, but everything I touch and experience, I then feed that back into the agency and, and, and say to everyone, how can we help bring this to, to, to our clients? So I think the creative part never, never stops. I just think you, I'm a bit more removed from actually putting that into play more of like a strategic ideation role now as before yeah. it was like strategy ideation, do, do, do. And execution, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's changed slightly. Amazing. Um, I'm literally going to sign up to your newsletter once this is over because that sounds like what I need really. Because yeah, I, I always need to know. I always need to know what's going on in the marketing space. My next question, which I want to ask you, is going to move us into a section I called I call what's hot in industry, which is you know where I 
pull something that's from research around your industry, which is agency influencer marketing. And then I ask you a question in relation to that. And it perfectly feeds into what we've been talking about, because I was looking at reports about trends in like influencer marketing and just, you know, the direction of marketing was going. And in 2019, you know, no one had TikTok on their radar. It was very much like, oh yeah, Instagram and the Facebooks. But over 2020, we've seen TikTok become one of the largest platforms for, you know, brands to create awareness, to engage, and also even to sell in some aspect. You know, you have the news and you're doing the reading, but there is also beyond, you know, the knowing of what's going on, there's the adaptation of these practices. So as an agency, how do you adapt to these new platforms and these new spaces without sacrificing quality? Because there is, it feels like the space is moving so quickly, like, things are changing what you think is going to happen from one year to the next is so different I mean, this is not a pandemic reference but we can't you know ignore that but it's also a reference to how TikTok has really really just blown up in the last year so how do you adapt without sacrificing quality and what's that sort of bridge and how do you manage it within the agency get in there early and just start start playing about with it I think is the, is the number one thing so as soon as as soon as TikTok came about for example we were you know, we were we were first in. We were on a pilot with the with TikTok as a oh, wow. preferred agency to kind of like test their new paid media area. So just be first and be you know just just get onto it. And even if you're not posting on it for, for client reason or for monetary reason, we 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 just want to be on it. So we we yeah. played with it for ages as an agency. We had a we had a brand we started as well, which allowed us to to test areas so we'd always test stuff on our own brand as opposed okay. to as opposed to using clients okay. brand and, and if we and if we are going to test something on a client's um brand we will we'll be honest and we'll say look this this new platform called tiktok we think it's great it's going to be we believe it's going to be the future it's very very different to facebook and instagram it's probably going to not going to be a you know a direct response model from it but we should get on there now and be early and have a good audience built up over time do you want us to try and do it for you authenticity just being honest and being real and being first and just moving movement is the key just getting onto it amazing yeah that is good advice I think we all hear it but practicing that is so scary because jumping into new things you can be like oh how long is this gonna last clubhouse still going apparently (laughs) (laughs) like I don't support anyone's downfall but I was like come on guys (laughs) don't make me have to do this it's it's a bit complex I actually have not been on a long time there is something I think overwhelming about just having voices coming out of your device at you for me and while I love that you know it's had it's space for conversations to happen and I see so much conversation I know people who have adapted or adopted it really quickly and are doing really well on the platform I just I guess I don't know what the long-term vision is for Clubhouse I'm like where is it going because it's no I think you know my understanding was it was designed for a certain purpose but now it's you know it's gone beyond a corporate sort of platform to just a social platform. So I, I think I can't see the long-term, you know, vision of it. I think you can get really good awareness. I think it works better for the individual rather than the brand. So again, mm. if my goals aren't individual and brand, then I don't know. So I'm, I'm a bit, yeah, I think I don't know. <laughs> I just don't see the lot I don't see it and maybe that's just me being very short-sighted what are your thoughts on Clubhouse? I I enjoy it I mean I I go into it quite regularly again I just love learning so I think it's the empathy thing right it's I just love listening I love learning so from that perspective it's great it depends what Clubhouse you're in I've been into some some terrible ones but I think if you go into into some you know where people are trying to sell you a a proposition I think you go into certain certain one there's a lot to learn because pe- people share the knowledge it's like a course or something 
yeah. meaningful. If you're, it depends who you're listening to. There's, there's benefit in Clubhouse. Again, like you, I don't I don't know the long-term vision for it. I believe it will make, remain successful to some extent. I also think it's the way of the future as well in terms of voice. I remember when I was running Testify, I thought, you know, if Twitter was... If Twitter was voice enabled, like if there was a if there was a way to, oh, it'd be jarring. Uh, <laughs> it would be, be great. Oh, it would be more chaotic, and that would be concerning because Twitter no. doesn't need any more chaos. <laughs> I love voice. I think so, especially when you're trying to. You know, we spoke about delegation. I know we're going off tangent here, but I know we spoke we spoke about delegation, and for me to get stuff from your brain into an email onto paper is super super long. Yeah, like it's. it's it just takes so much brain power and time and downloading it. So I'm all about how do we shortcut that. So, you know, I often do video recordings. Okay. Yeah. So I record my screen doing something once and then throw it into Monday.com. If someone asked me to do it again, I'd say that videos on Monday.com, I recorded my screen, figure out how to do it. So that's one area. Another area is voice. So I'll, I'll send the longest voice notes, just brain dumping my thoughts rather than having to write it because a three minute voice note is going to be better than me sitting in front of a laptop for an hour and, and a half. I think, yeah. So I oh, know I do So I'm a pro voice adaptation. So I do try sometimes to like dictate emails when I'm on the go. Cause I'm like, okay, you need to take a nice. lunch break, but you still have emails going. So I'm like, let's see if we can, I mean, it doesn't always work because yeah. my, voice, my phone doesn't always recognize what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah we get the general we, we get the shape going and then I just have to tweak which is so much it's more efficient it's quicker and you know as someone who's a writer like sometimes I'm like sat somewhere and I'm like oh, I don't have a pen and paper so I just go into my phone and I spew into my notes and I go we'll figure what this means later but I think you know I really love seeing faces so mm. there is and this might just be the right person in me because I think there are things you can say but I need to see your facial expression to really get a sense of where you are and things so I think Clubhouse which I do enjoy I've been in rooms and I've like this is a fascinating conversation I've been in rooms where I've been like everyone needs to go to bed but I think what is missing for me sometimes is face you know I just want to see how you're responding to what you're saying and if yeah your connection so I think I'm one of those people that's still very much about the <laughs> Face and I mean face to face can be Zoom, you know, but I really do enjoy that. So I think maybe that's my personal, which is weird because I love a podcast. So I don't know why yeah. I've just, I, I just, I don't know why I haven't. But I think because podcasts have a narrative direction and yeah. Clubhouse, you know, it can be interrupted by different. So I think I love, yeah, I love structure, which is very odd because I'm the most different my personal. <laughs> It is a free-for-all, isn't it? But, yeah. It is, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. And I'm going to, I do, I keep saying, I'm going, I'm going to actually use it, be an active participant and before I, you know, completely either fail or pass it for myself. So I'm going to actually host some rooms and really actually try and see um, what's going on because I know there are loads of literature spaces there and that's where I tend to exist. Yeah, do it. Do it. yeah awesome okay so we need to round up because this has been a really great conversation i really loved it and i feel like i could keep going and we could have many different conversations i think i have two questions for you so one is business one's personal if you don't mind the personal aspect yeah. of this so i'm going to start with the business you've talked about you know vouch being one that you see the direction and you have a future vision for can you just talk about what that future looks like for you right now so if you're looking ahead to you know a three-year five-year goal for about what does that look like what are your expectations for where you can take this company so yeah so, so called it about global because that was a kind of aspirational thing we want to work with more global brands and be in yeah. more places and have offices um, in various locations the last year obviously has hindered that massively we are working with global brands now we are a truly global agency in the sense that we work with you know, first tongue language, uh, 
campaigns within across Japan, um, Sweden, France, the US, um, many different locations. So, so number one is is that was one of the main things for me was you know us being a global agency, which which we now are. In terms of, and I, I think the goal has become less selfish. I think when I first started Testify, it was very much about I need to have a really great agency for myself because I want I, I wanted it and now that is so far from where I am now as a person it's very much I think that's come from having such an amazing team and you know people actually love vouch as much as I do well not as much as I do but they love it they love their job and it's it's part of their life and seeing that for me is it you know seeing that we're building something where people take pride in their work and they something that you've built that people take pride in themselves and is a part of their own family and their own home life. That for me is, is, is huge. So the team for me is number one. Like I, I love my team. I can't say enough more than anything else. They're just amazing. And it's it, it's for them. And and I just love the fact they love the company, number one. Number two, the work we do for clients is is phenomenal. It's second to none. Our approach is so unique. I've never seen it in, in how I've worked in, in past agencies. We We just do great work. And clients love us and we have low attrition and that's down to our values and corporate values into, into the agency. It's not always, you know, we do great work and we get great results, but it's not always about the results with clients. It's about the relationship and the listening and advising. And it's a, it's a relationship and you've got to treat it as such and you can't take it for granted. You can't, you know, it's like the personal relationship. You've got to put the effort in every, every week, every day you have to put the effort in. So we don't take on a client, they never hear from us. It's just honing relationships. And for me, I think that's what life is. It's relationships. And that's why the agency world is for me, because I love holding on to strong relationships and harnessing mm -hmm. those. And fundamentally at the core, it's about having that interaction and having that relationship. That's really it. We want to build something great. We want to be the number one agency, all that nice stuff. But the essence is just, just, living in flow there is a goal and a vision but they're just living in flow and just honing in on good relationships that yeah. is the key awesome I love that and my second question which I said is in the personal so you know we you talk back to your university days you know the no money the starting you know the lead generation side in the property space but also you know being a new father which is so much to go through at uni we had very different yeah. experiences <laughs> trust me <laughs> i was yeah. like if i get it at three how much day can i have no. uh, yeah. um, but when you you know look back to that time and look forward now what is what feels most unexpected for you about where you've come to so when you if you could go back to that stuff and they were like this is what i hope for the future what is something you say so unexpected about where the what the future has looked like yourself i think things go a lot slower than you expect so oh. I, I, I always i always felt that i would i always felt that i would have a particular amount of success at a certain point i, I oh. always felt that but again as i said because i couldn't see it firsthand from anyone it was like a it was like a fiction novel right it was like you just oh. see it on films and you see it from people around you but you know culturally the way I, you know, where I went to school, where I was brought up, and you, I just wasn't around people that had experienced the visions that I had. Yeah. So I'm li living to a vision, but then you start to question, is that even possible? Is that even real? But I, you know, I always felt that there would be that that would happen, but I'd say things have gone a lot slower than, than I anticipated, okay. but that's because, that's because I had no, 
no mentor or yeah. I had no first-hand education from someone telling me this is how you do things, this is how you don't. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way and yeah. I hold my hands up and say that, but I've had to learn, I've had to learn firsthand and then redo the mistake, redo what I just, the action and yeah. then not make that mistake again. And so doing that, constantly making mistakes, learning, it takes, it takes time. So as long as you're moving, you, there's nothing, nothing bad ever happens, but you can get there quicker if you listen, have a mentor, have someone around you who's been there and done it, that can help you get there quicker and listen and take heed. I, I never used to be a good listener. So even if I had a mentor, it'd probably just be hot air to me. I'd probably yeah. just be like, okay, that's In great. One ear, out the other. Yeah, yeah. And I'll still go make the same mistake. And I'd be like, okay, I won't do that again. So yeah, I'd say just keep moving is really, is really the key. But things take longer than you initially think, I'd, I'd say. But just live in the process. The process is where it all happens when you try to be un inauthentic or you try to make something too quick or too fast and it's not really who you are it's not going to get there you're going to go through many iterations until you've really listened to who you are and what imprint you want to have yourself and live those true values and that's when the magic happens that's when you get into a flow state in yourself and people it's like a magnet people start to see that you're being authentic and you're in a flow state and they and you attract that and you attract more and more and more so yeah that's what I'd say I love that that the idea that things move slower than you think I think yeah we can feel like I want this by this age and if I don't get yeah. that then I that's failure but yeah I think taking track of what you've got to and seeing that it's progress is really important um um I think, Instagram yeah. right that's your instant gratification world like the delivery every, oh my god no so delivery is um it actually it's, it's a terrible lesson to teach people that food can come in 30 minutes um no spend the, spend the two hours mincing the garlic and the, <laughs> um, yeah but it's also I think yeah I think yeah it's really it's, that's a really really important lesson and we all need to take stock of that because yeah it feels like everyone's you know a millionaire suddenly or you know has all this money and it's like because you see yes some people have that but because you don't have that doesn't mean you're not doing well you know what are you doing and are you doing it sustainably for you um does it fit into your vision is you no know, is, is this what you want your story to look like in the long term I think yeah those the, you know they feel very like lofty and la-di-da but I think those are the most important things because at the end of the day it's important to be able to sleep at night and feel rested and not be worried about what's going on in someone else's life but yeah I love that so I think we're going to end there Mark it's been so wonderful speaking to you I absolutely love you know your journey what about global stands for i guess my final thing to ask you is where can people find you and the company online sure my instagram handle is mark m-a-r-k j zero mark joe but zero not a no linkedin mark joseph and vouch and those are the two main platforms that i i'm across linkedin and, and instagram so yeah come say hi and drop me an email as well amazing and i think do you sign up for the vouch global newsletter because it sounds like it's necessary for anyone who's interested in like the marketing media space i will be signing up <laughs> right. so do so also once you listen thank you so much for joining mark um, you, to speak to you again again this has been beyond all my expectations and i'm nikki and i will speak to you next episode goodbye